Welcome to PCA One-on-One, Positive Coaching Alliance's podcast series where we talk with leading experts about how to develop better athletes, better people through sports. And now here's your host, Ruben Nieves, PCA's Director of Training. Hello, this is Ruben Nieves, and I'm very happy to be interviewing volleyball legend Kim Oden uh, for our PCA audience tonight. I want to welcome Kim and start by introducing Kim to, to all of you. Um, Kim graduated from Stanford University in 1986 with a degree in public policy, and she then went on to play on the U.S. national team from 1986 to 92 and then returned again in 1994. Kim was the Olympic team captain in both 1988 and 1992. In 92, Kim was a member of the US, USA team that won the bronze medal at the Barcelona Summer Olympics in Spain of the year. In 1985, she, she won the Honda Broderick Award as the outstanding amateur athlete uh, in, in America in the sport of volleyball. Three-time Pac-10 Player of the Year, 1983, 1984, 1985. And Kim was also named the Player of the Decade for the 1980s. After playing, Kim went on to uh, become a coach. She coached uh, for four years at St. Francis High School in Mountain View, California, where she was also a guidance counselor. Um, She then... Uh, became the director of guidance and counseling at St. Francis. And today she continues her work as a high school counselor down in Southern California. So, so welcome, Kim. Thank you, Ruben. It's great to be here. So, Kim, let, let's. I, I have so much uh, I, I, I could ask you about. Um, I, I, I think we'll start with... Um, your, your, your youth sports, your experience as a youth sport athlete. And um, specifically, I, I want to I ask you um, about the role that your parents played as, as you grew up uh, playing volleyball. Hmm. Wow, that's an interesting question. Well, the whole reason that... I started playing volleyball is because of my dad, actually. My mm-hmm. father is a uh, career Marine, and uh-huh. uh, you don't sit around much in his house. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I think uh, when I was 13, it was, I think, the summer or something like that. I can't remember exactly when it was, but I remember I was around the house a lot, maybe watching a little bit too much TV, and he was like, that is it. One day we got in the car, and he drove me over to uh, Corona Del Mar High School, and uh, I didn't know it at the time, but I was trying out for the Orange County Volleyball Club, Uh and uh, uh, that was really the beginning of our family's exposure to club volleyball. It just happened to be with one of the best clubs in the area that's still going strong today. Um, and, you know, I was terrible at first, but the coaches said I had this thing called potential. So <laughs> I made the, <laughs> I made the 13 and under team, the second team. And 
after about six months of getting used to the bruises and everything on your arms when you first yeah. start playing volleyball, after about that, after the first six months, I was hooked. So, you know, the whole reason that I got started was because my dad um, introduced me, whether I wanted to be introduced or not, yeah. to uh, to volleyball. But it turned, it worked out because I really enjoyed it. And basically, from there, um, he was in on the commitment in that, you know, he was a Marine and he worked on, um, he was a helicopter maintenance guy. And so he would get off work. He'd go to work really early in his shift. You know, he would get off like around three, which was perfect timing for him to pick me up and take me to practice in, you know, Corona del Mar or Newport beach two or three times a week. Um, my mom would always make sure we had enough, you know, for the weekend tournaments that we were, that I was well stocked with food. Um, so she would make sure to do that. And of course, all of our high school games, my high school games, um, my parents were big supporters. They'd be there in the stands. My mom would have signs and balloons and have cookies ready for people at the end of the games. And, um, it was quite the family affair and it, it actually did become a family affair because my parents were also very, um, instrumental in introducing my sister Elena and my sister Beverly to the sport of volleyball also. So they really, you know, between all of us, there were probably a span of eight or nine years that they were, you know, dropping us off at the airport when we were going to JOs, taking us to practice two or three times a week, making sure that we, you know, caught our ride going to Long Beach State or wherever it was to do this, the weekend, um, USBBA tournament. So they were very, very involved. And I think our success really can be traced back to their commitment. Well, Kim, um, so when, when your dad first took you to that trout, are you saying that um, did, did you want to go to the trout? Did you not want to go? Were you not sure what was going on? Did he kind of t- tell me, tell me about that. Uh, it was a surprise. Let me just say, <laughs> I, <laughs> it, okay. was it, was a, it was a surprise. Yes, and then Kim, I did not... Kim, Kim, had you played other sports before that tryout? Um, very little, you know, like, uh, not anything organized at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, let's see, I was 13 and in middle school, I mean, in elementary school, nothing really organized. And in seventh grade, um, nothing organized, you know, just PE classes, whatever that was. Uh, this was really the first organized sport I played. Um, unlike my sisters who actually played organized sports at an earlier age than I did, um, Elena, was an AYSO soccer person, a Bobby Sox softball person, and volleyball, not to mention the five letters she won in <laughs> high school in five different sports, you know, and, um, you know, track, basketball, volleyball, soccer, and softball. And um, Beverly also played Bobby Sox softball, I believe, and I think she played a little soccer too. I was the only one who was just volleyball was pretty much the sport. Well, well, Kim, um, well, Kim, you're an example. Well, you, your family, you know, your your sisters are an example that you know you can you can take a sport to a high level by starting at you know five or six or seven, 
And in your mm-hmm. case, you took it to the absolute highest level, and you didn't start organized sports till the age of 13, which, you know, some people these days mm-hmm. think that is, you know, uh, uh, amazingly late to get started. But um, you're an example that uh, you can still reach a very high level even if you don't play when you're, you're five Six seven. So so Kim, let me ask you. Um, yeah. let, let me ask you. Um, you know, um, I, I met your parents, and and uh, um, I always knew they were around and supporting. I, I wanted to ask you: Did did either of your parents ever intervene? Were, were they ever Were they ever concerned about um, uh, the position you were playing or how much playing time you were getting? Did they ever have a concern about? a coach or the strategy, anything like that? Well, I think that my parents are pretty old school. And I think that, you know, um, in their generation, a lot of uh, parents would trust what they do is they trust the coach or they trust the teacher unless something very if unless something's very askew or something is really out of the ordinary they're going to trust the coach to do the thing that the coach you know thinks is the right thing to do mm-hmm. uh i don't personally remember them ever um approaching a coach and talking about you know my playing time or my sister's playing time or um you know, or second guessing what the coach was doing. Um, you know, I think sometimes, uh, they may have disagreed with the coach, but they always supported the person, whoever it was. Got it. Um, and you know, that's kind of who they are as people and what they really, um, they really value unless there was something really wrong where they thought we were being mistreated or something like that, or, or something untoward was going on. I know that they would step in then, but beyond anything less than that, they would really trust the coach and let them do it. Okay. And Kim, what about your, your parents went to a lot of volleyball matches. They saw a lot (laughs) of referees. They saw a lot Mm -hmm. of good calls they saw a lot of questionable mm-hmm. calls. Was there ever a time that you're aware of where your parents um, uh, got on the, the, the game officials about a call? No. You know, I my dad typically sits at the very, very top of whatever gym <laughs> or stadium or whatever we're in. He sits kind of away from people, and he hangs out up there, and he watches the game from his – his bird perch, you know, (laughs) and, uh, he just, he, he pretty much, you know, he's a Marine. So it's like there are whatever the ref calls there are, it's no excuse. You still, Mm -hmm. you know, it, whatever happens, you're responsible for making happen what you want Mm -hmm. on that, on the, uh, you know, the, the court. So you can't really blame a ref for something you need to, you know, if something was called not so great or, the person missed the call, well, then you need to win the next point, you know, to make sure that it's, it's, it's back to even. So he, he, he wasn't the type that would be, you know, really upset with, with a referee. Um, my mom, you know, sometimes would question a call, but she would not, uh, she 
never go after anybody. Uh-huh. Okay. You know, that'd be something she talked to me about after the game. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, she would not interrupt. She would not do any of those things, you yeah. know, where someone's really, you know, berating, verbally berating a coach. My mom would never, no, she would not be into that at all. Okay. Um, so, Kim, you, you mentioned that after six months, after getting over the initial bumps and bruises, you were hooked on volleyball. Um, so uh, it, it sounds like it was fun for you, um, you know, pretty early on. Can, can you talk about the role of fun in your career and how that may have changed or not changed from going from mm-hmm. that 13 and under team all the way through college, national team, professional volleyball career? Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that I see – um, these days with kids starting so early is they're starting early with competitive uh, situations, you know, mm-hmm. competitive clubs, travel clubs, all that stuff right away. And sometimes developmentally, I think they're not quite ready for that kind of very intense environment. But I think by the age of 13, um, you know, I was at a point where I was ready to try something and I was uh, a comp- I am a competitive person. And I think at 13, I was willing, you know, I was kind of ready developmentally to try that. And Mm -hmm. it was a great time for me. Um, So I want to put a plug out there. If your kids are playing earlier than that, make sure they're having fun, you know, and they're learning the foundations of the sport and they're, you know, um, getting ice cream after the game or, you know, things that that are really that make it fun and not um, not too intense for what they need, you know, at seven, mm-hmm. eight, nine, 10 and mm-hmm. 11. Mm-hmm. So, um, that's one thing, but I think, um, one of, you know, my club career was spent with one club, you know, Orange mm-hmm. County volleyball club the whole time from yeah. 13 all the way till senior in high school. Mm-hmm. And I know that's rare these days, but back in the day, you know, <laughs> you, you joined one club and you stayed with them for the duration pretty much. Yeah. Um, and, one of the things that kept me there was um, was my team. You know, we we had um, players from all over. You know, Estancia High School, Newport Harbor, Corona del Mar, um, Laguna Beach, all sorts of places. But we we were kind of thrown together at 13, and we stayed together all the way through senior year. And I'm actually still in touch with some of them. Mm -hmm. You know, they Mm -hmm. were fantastic people. We were very competitive. We liked to win, but we, we definitely supported each other. And I think we had a great chemistry together that made it fun. Um, and I think on my high school team playing, one of the big things we did was, uh, we would go to one of the fun things that, you know, that we did was on game days, we would go, we would wear our latest finds from (laughs) secondhand stores. You know, we would Uh find uh, old uh, coats and ties and old hats and stuff and of like, you know, men's suits and stuff. And we would all wear that to school on a game day. And people would know that meant it was a game. We would, yeah. and of course, the wilder the tie or the wilder the coat, the better. And um, 
we would all wear this coat and people would know it was our game and uh, it was a game day and we had a lot of friends that would come. But it was also a way for us to be reminded the whole day and even the night before putting, you know, figuring out what to wear that we had a game and it would lead us to focus on the game even before we got to the gym, Mm -hmm. which really, really kind of helped us. So we did fun little things like that. And so high school club at Stanford, we had lots of fun. You know, we just, we were a dancing group. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. before every game, we would be, you know, playing all right now or whatever Mm -hmm. it is, whatever we were playing in the locker room and everyone would dance which would get some nervous in- energy out. You know, everybody would mm-hmm. be busting a move in there. <sighs> and then we'd be warmed up and we'd go out in the, you know, onto the court. And that was just our ritual, you know, just to dance before the game, have a good time, you know, like get all yeah. fired up and, and then go out to the court and play. So fun, I think, has been something that has been a thread through my entire career. And well, I think even at the national team level, you know, um, it's more of a business at that level, uh, but we worked out ways, you know, we would all go to someone's house for a Super Bowl party. That was something that we would do or the World Series or, you know, something mm-hmm. we would all go to Magic Mountain sometimes, you know, like so we would we would find a way. I think that's important in a in a sport, too. Kim, were there any times uh, during your career, youth or or, or later where something took the fun out of it for you, um, either for a period of time or, um, yeah, I, I guess that's what I want to ask you. Are there, are there any things that, that at times took the fun out of it for you? Well, I think, um, maybe the, the one time that comes to mind right now is when I played professionally in Italy. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point, the um i think what was difficult was it was a contracted thing you know you go there and you there's a contract for what they are willing to do for you and what you know how hard you're willing to work for them and play and i think it is um on my first team in italy uh that contract kind of broke down and basically mm-hmm. the team was not winning very much, mm-hmm. much, even though on paper we looked good together, the chemistry was a little off and we did not win so much. And so the, the organization um, refused to pay us, <laughs> oh, yeah. to, uh, you know, yes. And that really kind of, that definitely took the fun out of it for me. Sure. Um, and it was a difficult situation and it, kind of got it it spiraled downward from there um and so that was one of the things but what was great was three years later after that experience um I was picked up by um a team in China mm-hmm. and got to be coached by the legendary Long Ping who was a fantastic player on the 1984 Chinese team mm-hmm. but also the USA women's coach and the Chinese women's coach in a subsequent Olympics mm-hmm. and um, on that team we just it, it kind of came back to fun and so at the end of my career I loved volleyball just as much as I did when I first started 
So it was a nice way to kind of to end up. Beautiful, Kim. So, Kim, thank you for sharing uh, uh, so much about your your, your playing experience. I, I want to transition and ask you two questions about the coaches you played for over the years. And you can answer both questions at the same time or do what, do what you want with these two questions. The first question is okay. be, because you went on to coach yourself, Kim, and uh, I should mention to our listeners that Kim was honored as a – Positive Coaching Alliance National Double Goal Coach Honoree for her excellence in combining striving to win with using sports to teach life lessons. So, so Kim was an outstanding coach. Um, and, and Kim, um, so what I wanted to ask you is with the coaches that you experienced, what were some of the qualities of coaches you had that you chose to emulate and make a part of your own mm-hmm. coaching? Mm-hmm. And then what were some qualities of coaches you experienced that perhaps you did not want to emulate? You did not want to uh, coach like that. Um, well, I'll start with the positive first. Yeah. And I, I, I was very, very fortunate and blessed to be coached by a lot of very, very good people. Um, and um, I think I will start with um, <laughs> Albert Guest. Yeah. and was one of my club coaches yeah and he he was just he's a great guy at orange county volleyball club he was a great guy uh, i think he coaches at golden west now and has for a long time um a wonderful guy knows a lot about volleyball and dealt with teenage girls very well and what i mean by that is i think he actually listened to us when we talked and so he could he understood where we were coming from which was wonderful and so that's one thing from albert i got listening to my players as my when i became a coach myself because i knew how powerful that was for us to have a coach that listened to us and could understand where we were coming from so that was one thing that i definitely strive to do when Mm -hmm. i was a coach Mm -hmm. um and then i would say um you know college fred sturm and don shaw uh both of them one for, I would say, um, Fred for uh, his incredible attention to detail with the type of technique he would teach. He was very particular in what he mm-hmm. taught. Mm-hmm. And you had, you know, you had to do something a certain way, but it actually worked. And he had you know, if you, of course, you know, Fred Rubin, he, yes. he's, he doesn't do anything he hasn't thought about. Yes. I mean? yeah. So he has thought deeply about why he wants, you know, the big toe pointed this way or your shoulders <laughs> this way or whatever it is. And he would expect you to do that. And so, um, I found from him that, um, the, the details are important that the little things I think I think he was the first one I heard this um, statement from. I, I'm not sure he made it up, but he, you know, it's the old thing about, uh, you know, perfect practice makes perfect, not just practice. Mm-hmm. So it was very important. I mean, well, from the time we stepped in there, there was a certain level of expectation for everything you did, whether it was block trips, which you know is just you know, jumping yeah. uh, um, at the net as a blocker or as a hitter, 
um, without netting and using the right footwork in transition, all that. We did that every day. Um, and even though there was no ball and a lot of people these days would say it was not, you know, it was not past set hit, which is that the big thing right now, it was something that ingrained in us, our footwork and the timing and, and the spacing and everything, because you got so used to it yeah. and you got so many reps at it that, you know, come the playoff time or the end of the pack 10 or you know, uh, at that time, pack eight, whatever we were, um, you know, you didn't have to think about that stuff. It was just already in you. So I could see from him that details make a difference. And I think from Don, I think it was, um, the competitiveness, you know, Don is a very competitive person. He loves to win at that time. He would play against us, which would really, you know, we really wanted to play well against him. Um, and I think between the two of them with competition, you know, competitive mm-hmm. nature and also the technique, they were a fantastic combination. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so from, from Dawn, you know, just fostering competitiveness mm-hmm. in, um, players. That's one of the things that I emulate from him. Got it. Um, and then I would say, you know, Terry Liskevich, our coach at, um, you know, at the Olympic team for both the 88 and 92 teams. One of the things that I learned from him that I use is that, um, you're not one dimensional when you play sports. And he was one of the, I think he was the first coach to choose books based on what he observed me doing or, you know, what I, you know, conversations we would have. And he would give me a book to read on that subject. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was really cool. So it was like he was appealing to an intellectual side or something outside of, of the gym, which, um, which I have really taken to heart as I've worked with my players um, as a coach, because, you know, I'm, I'm a guidance counselor and I, I, my family has always been, um, very dedicated to and committed to, uh, education. And so one of the things that I really love is talking to my players about what they love to study. And, um, I have been known at times to, you know, even in at times when playoffs are coming on in my high school years uh, at St. Francis um, is what I've done is if, if people have a lot of midterms or things like that and they are feeling like they need to spend some time studying so that they can do well, you know, all they need to do is talk to me and we work that out that they would leave practice early that day or they would take a day off from practice and then come back, you know, that kind of thing. Because I, you know, I love volleyball to death, but education for a young girl or a young man, either one, that's going to be the thing that's going to serve them all their lives. So I want to make sure that they understand that there's balance also. So I learned that from Terry Liskevich. So, so Kim, I'm noticing that our time has flown by, and I do want you to... if. Um, before we uh, wrap up here, if you could, you uh, obviously I'm not going to ask you to mention any names, but is there something about the way you were coached that you would not want to emulate? Well, thankfully, there's only one, and mm-hmm. it is an, an international coach 
who has been very successful, but he's very, um, uh, con- uh, what's the word? He's um, very derogatory in how mm-hmm. he communicates with his players. Mm-hmm. Um, in that he actually calls them names sometimes and he yells at them in front of everyone. And, you know, you would think that, you know, this is later in my career. So professionally and Mm -hmm. at the international level, um, there was this person and I actually was coached by him one day (laughs) for an all-star thing, Uh one day for an all-star thing. And, uh, that was enough. That was enough. That, that style does not work well for me and, um, really for a lot of, um, you know, men coaching women, that's pretty tough for a girl. Very few women can deal with that kind of, uh, you know, break them down kind of, uh, style of coaching. So mm-hmm. if there was anything that I didn't like, thankfully I didn't have to deal with it very much, but that would be what would be not my favorite. Thank you, Kim. Kim, um, this has been a lot of fun. A lot of fun for me. My only disappointment is that I didn't get to ask all my questions, but that that that's okay. Um, The time just flew by. I I do want to let um, the PCA audience know that um, PCA folks know that 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 our tagline is "Better Athletes, Better People," and um, listeners, Kim is clearly uh, an athlete who reached the highest level. Uh, in in her sport, um, she 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 was and is a wonderful athlete. Um, but I want you to know that the, even more so than that, uh, she's admired in the volleyball world uh, for for the person that she is. And so um, it's just wonderful that we got to uh, that I got to interview someone who represents that tagline, better athletes, better people so well. And, 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 and Kim, we're so excited that you, uh, are one of PCA's, uh, newest national advisory board members. So welcome to our national advisory board. And, and thank you so much, Kim, for sharing so much of your experience and wisdom with, with well, the positive coaching Alliance audience. Best of luck thank to you, you Kim. Thank you very much, Ruben. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on this episode of PCA One-on-One. Be sure to visit PositiveCoach.org to download more podcasts.